Hello everyone, uh, my name is Anya and I'm here with Claire. Hello, <laughs> I'm Claire, I'm a uh, licensed financial professional here in Michigan. Um, I've been investing since I was 16 and I'm personally very passionate about the topic of women and money, so I'm happy to be here today with Anya. Very happy to have you here. Uh, this has been um, an honor, mm -hmm. you know, that you took your time time off to, to come here and, and um, to share some of your knowledge. I know that you're, you've been doing this for, like you said, a very long time. Um, and in general, I have found again and again that when you support women entrepreneurs, the effect that goes far, it goes far and beyond just supporting her and her family. Um, she most times ends up uh, producing a series of positive network effects that also benefit the community, uh, the local economy, and the entrepreneur uh, ecosystem uh, as a whole. Um, so I'm very excited to, to understand you a little bit more and, and uh, for you to give some word of advice or just like step-by-step -step kind of the most exactly like the simplest way yeah either to manage or and to invest um, for our viewers and listeners um, who most happen to be um, immigrants um, a lot of like Albanian women um, are listeners currently we're growing but <laughs> Albanian women are powerhouses um, they are very well educated they love um, you know entrepreneurship they're very ambitious overall and they um, are very passionate about their families. Um, so it's, it's a very, like a fine balance, but, but they're getting it at a, at a time and place in their life that they have to also take care of their parents. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, I think we're learning every day about like the American culture and community. Um, so finance is a really big one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so yes, I'm very passionate about this subject. So money is something that influences everyone. No one is exempt from mm -hmm. operating in a cash society. Um, so we might as well learn the tips and tricks on how to manage our finances to best benefit us. And the way that I like to operate from all aspects of my life, uh, you know, behaviorally, spiritually, financially, uh, athletically, I like to back up and look at my values as a whole and establish what's important to me and then I align my energy and habits according to um, what I'm trying to accomplish. So mm -hmm. start with the big goal, break it down. So um, becoming financially fit and financially independent as some people say, which has wide variety of meanings to many people, mm -hmm. um, is meeting their needs. So that that's value number one. Uh, meeting your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, being safe, having food on the table, um, so I like to think of money as the blood in our bodies. So we need it to live, we need it to operate, and um, so it's our energy. It's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to um, run from. We just have to learn how to keep our financial lives as healthy as we can. What is rule number one to keep us as healthy as possible in the finance system? So something that is recommended across the board you know, a lot of financial professionals don't agree with each other. Um, everyone has their own approach, and that's why this is so personal to each person. There's no one-size-fits-all. But having a budget mm -hmm. really is the foundation of having a healthy financial life. So a lot of people hear the word budget, and it's kind of like a bad word, scary mm -hmm. word, because you think of restriction. But it's really not restricting. It's just telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. 
the Dave Ramsey quote. Um, so there are many different financial tools to create a budget, and I'll talk about that at the end, some like free financial tools that can benefit you to create that. Um, but just getting it out on paper, because so many people are ignore their financial situation mm -hmm. um, and don't really know what's going on in the whole picture. So when you do create a budget, it takes time to for it to become something that's working for you, it might take about three months to make some tweaks to determine, you know, we can cut back here, uh, maybe we can allocate a little bit more money to this account in our life. So uh, it takes time to adapt to working with a budget, but it's definitely necessary. And how do you um, figure out where each, you know, where you should, where your money should go, basically? How do you make that decision? Because most people just spend, you know, on a daily like whim. Okay, hey, I think I want this. They purchase and whatnot. But how do you make that decision and stick to it? So here in America, <laughs> in, in the United States, we are blasted with advertisements all day of why our lives aren't good without these products. You know, this lip gloss will make your life better. This product will make your life better. So there's a uh, push for like yeah. mass consumerism here yes. in this country. So. Mm -hmm. uh, a, the great place to start uh, is cutting back and living below your means. So if you're living above your means, if you're spending more than you make each month, um, that means you're in the red. You might have heard that before. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not good if you're spending more than you are making. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you have more coming in than is going out. And I, I also like to start off with paying yourself first. Mm -hmm. So that is so important. Yeah. So instead of um, spending all your money on payments and wondering, you know, where it went, uh, focus on uh, a few financial goals that pe people in this field focus on: are retirement, paying off debt, uh, creating a savings account, an emergency fund. Having an emergency fund is extremely important. Uh, I'm sure we're all old enough to remember that financial crisis of '08, yeah. which was pretty scary. Uh, we felt people. it here. Yeah, yes, we definitely felt it here because mm -hmm. we're majority of the families, yeah, mm -hmm. lost their jobs. Yeah, it did hit us very hard mm -hmm. in the Metro Detroit area, and so many people um, struggled during that time. Many people lost their homes. Yeah, uh, many people had to declare bankruptcy, so many people couldn't pay their bills and had to settle with their with their lenders. Something that can protect you from that happening is to create an emergency fund, which is creating a buffer from you and then that next emergency. So life happens. I mean, everyone has emergencies. Everyone's car has problems at some point. Mm -hmm. Everyone has, you know, a medical accident at some point in their lives that, I mean, you never know what, what could go wrong and it will happen. So you got to learn how to protect yourself and to yeah. create that buffer. And uh, again, many, many financial professionals don't agree on how much, like what the, what a specific dollar amount would be to have mm -hmm. a, a good start for an emergency fund, but a general rule of thumb is to have three to six months of your expenses, not of your income. So take a look at how much you're spending e each month, multiply that by three or six, depending on how much security you really want. Some people are okay with having um, just three months, but some people prefer six. I like the six month strategy just because the more <laughs> security, the better I sleep at night. Um, so three to six months of your expenses and then keep yeah. that in a cash liquid account, meaning like a checking account or a savings account that, that you don't see or touch on a week to week or month to month basis that's only set aside for emergencies. So that will protect you from, from putting 
putting any emergencies on your credit card or not being able to meet a $400 emergency or um, you never know what could happen. You know, a lot of like the ideologies or the culture of America, right, mm -hmm. is uh, based around, you know, being rich, mm -hmm. having a lot of money and creating your own businesses or going to school, mm -hmm. getting a higher education to become, you know, someone that's very successful financially. Um, so, but oftentimes, like, I see that even though uh, people have went to school, um, I see that they're, they're still struggling like, with their finances. And when they ask their, you know, some of their uh, friends or some of the, you know, other people like in the community, a lot of people with a lot of money tend to either have their own businesses or be in, or investing in the stock market. Um, a lot of women are not familiar with the stock market and they're very afraid of it. Um, do you have experience with the stock market? Yes. So um, I've been investing since I was 16. I created a custodial account with one of my parents. That means that they were able to sign off on it and I was able to start trading um, as a minor, which I know many people aren't um, afforded that luxury. But it definitely is really scary, especially because um, the crisis of 08 is so recent and so many people liquidated their investments during that time to make ends meet, which I don't recommend because you're crystallizing your losses during a down market and um, that's how a lot of people lost their money. Um, and so during that time, the, the, rich, the rich investors, the uh, high net worth individuals and ultra high net worth individuals saw that as an opportunity to keep their money in the market and invest more and profit off of that, which is what many people did. So um, for investing, I would recommend either seeing a professional or coming up with a strategy that will benefit you. So one place to start is to create your objective. Why do you want to invest? Most, or many people, I shouldn't say most, choose to invest for retirement because they know at some point they will be too old to work. Um, our life expectancy is growing um, is increasing all the time so we're also losing a lot of our jobs to automation yeah. so yeah that's another fear so having having a ret uh, retirement account um, is something that as women we should definitely be be paying attention to and we should not rely on our male counterparts um, or we should also not rely on the government because Social Security isn't guaranteed to us as well so we really need to take matters into our own hands um, health care costs are increasing as well Mm -hmm. So this, these are all things that we should be saving money for down the road because you don't want to be in a position where you're dependent on someone else who may or may not be there for you. So another reason people like to invest, especially young people, mm -hmm. um, investing for residual income. So with retirement accounts like Roth IRA accounts, which I recommend as like a starting point, um, which it, I mean that's not a bad starting point to open up one of those with your bank for to start saving for your retirement is a lot of people like to um, invest in in stocks for dividends or mutual funds that pay dividends that will uh, create a portfolio that will pay you over time so you will have your money working for you rather than you working for your money so like I said at the beginning many people have different definitions of financial independence but personally my definition of financial independence financial independence is when you're able to live completely off of um, the income off coming from your money.
like from your dividends mm -hmm. not from your debt not from yeah yeah not from a job not from something that um, you have to put work into to have it grow but rather than just like living off of your investments mm -hmm. so that that's another goal that I've seen many people have some people um, invest for their kids college funds mm -hmm. uh, when you have a child you have like 18 19 years before they reach college aged you know whether whether they want to use that for college or not that's up to them but there are specific accounts like 529 plans um, cover coverall account cover that accounts I think that's a, another name for one um, that those are tax advantaged and they're also tied to the market so you can in, invest for what should they invest in? What should women invest in? That is really personal to each person. It depends on your objectives. There's no one size fits all investment. Uh, different securities have different risks and returns. Uh, bonds tend to have lower returns and are less risky. There's a there's a trade off between risk and return. So the more risk you take on, um, the less return you can anticipate to get. And like the I more said, risk right that you take yes so okay. so the last return like in what amount of time um, what whatever period of time okay. you allow yourself uh, that money to grow mm -hmm. uh, which is per personal to everyone mm -hmm. and the more the longer you keep your money in the market the more it will appreciate so I have um, yeah. visual aid yay we get visual aids I love So here I have a chart of the S&P 500 from 1950 to 2016. So the S&P 500 is standard and I believe there are 500 companies on this index. So an index is, a, a I don't know the, the exact words to use to define this, but some examples of indices, of stock indices is the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange, the S&P 500. Um, the Dow, the Dow Jones, th those are examples of indices. So there are stocks listed on these indices. So this is an example of 500 companies in the United States that, um, and their performance averaged from 1950 to 2016. So you can see that it, it, it is growing over time. There have been a few drops. One of those drops being in 2002, and then the next one being in 2009. Yeah, that looks right, in 2009. Uh, so examples of which companies, just so they have an idea. I'm trying. I don't know ex um, exact stocks that are listed on the S and P. S and P 500 list. So this is an this this chart is an average of the one year moving average, the two year moving average, and the three year moving average. So this this chart can be used as a pretty good. Illustration of what the market has been doing over the past 66 years. Uh, so, for instance, to illustrate, if you were to invest um, $100 in 1950, your money would grow over this period of time with a few dips. But if you keep your money in the market over the long run, you are not guaranteed, but it's pretty. It's very likely that you will make money over the long run. So, this is what most investors. Most high net worth investors do they? Like Warren Buffett, for example, he invests in stocks for value. I'll talk, talk more about Warren Buffett's strategy because that's one of my favorite. Um, 
his strategy is to look at a company that you know and that you're a customer of. Um, and going back to my example, when I was 16 years old, I didn't know much about the real world. So I knew about food and retail. So those were the sectors, the industry sectors that I was buying into uh, because I could I could understand pretty well what 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 that those companies were doing and what the business model looks like because I was a customer of those. Your first company. My first company was Coca-Cola. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I think that was the first, very yeah. first stock that I bought. Because you loved Coca-Cola. Um, I don't. Maybe I did it. I think I did it at the time. Now not anymore. <laughs> I think I've grown out of of any type of sugar beverages, but. Yeah, that, that one was a pretty safe bet at the time. Um, do you have some examples of some stocks that are listed on that index? Yeah, actually. Uh, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, J.P. Morgan, Alphabet Inc., Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Visa, Exxon, AT&T, Bank of America, Home Depot, Intel, Verizon, MasterCard, United Health, Walt Disney, Chevron, Coca-Cola, <laughs> Wells Fargo, Comcast, Cisco, and the list goes on. There's 500. I'd be interested to see like, what 500 is. So five, 500 stocks, that's a pretty good average Gap, in the market. Nordstrom, yeah. So you're saying if you bet on any of these, it's a pretty safe bet? Is um, this what you're saying? Or? Not quite. Okay. So to my next point, mm -hmm. um, so from a few of the stocks that Anya just mentioned, I'm sure there are a few, at least a few that you recognize the name of. So she mentioned some banking stocks, some technology stocks. Um, I've heard a few retail stocks. So those those are our industries. Mm -hmm. So when you so the market is constantly going up and down. There are four stages of the economic cycle. There's growth, maturity, decline, and stagnation. And there are leading and lagging indicators to, sh to indicate what part of the economic cycle we're in right now. Uh, so different industries do different things during the economic cycle. So I know you and I have talked about this before, mm -hmm. um, or I've mentioned this to you before. So during a recession, people start people start saving their money more and hanging on to it and they stop spending so much. And when they stop spending so much, you, you can think of yourself, when, when times get tough, what's the first thing you cut out? One of the first things people cut out is luxury goods mm -hmm. or discretionary spending, that's a big market term. So here in Detroit, we were hit pretty hard during the financial crisis because people stopped buying cars or they stopped buying new cars and maybe start buying used cars or don't buy a car at all or don't upgrade for a few years when times get tough. And a lot of jobs were you know, mm -hmm. placed overseas, so a lot of people were taken out of their job. Yes, yeah, so um, during that period of the economic cycle, we were pr hit pretty hard. Yeah. But for example, during a recession, people still need their insulin and they still need their drugs. So pharmaceutical stocks tend to be less cyclical and um, more predictable during right. the economic cycle. And utilities would be another one. Utility companies, um, those don't bounce around too much or don't take that much of a hit during a economic slowdown. But some other products like um, 
like cars, for example, I'll keep using that example, that, that is a stock that um, is more likely to take a hit during, mm -hmm. during a recession. So th these are things to think about in, in this topic of diversification. So when you diversify across many different industries and many different stocks up to a certain point, I think that there, this, I learned in college there's a special number, I can't remember if it's 13 or 30, but once you reach a certain number of diversification in your stock portfolio, you've maximized the benefits of diversification. So. Um, think about that. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket because that's when many people lose their their eggs. And penny stocks are something that I you hear a lot about, but I would not recommend getting into those just because they're so risky and volatile. Um, so something else that I, I like to look at is historical data. Um, personally, I know that there was a uh, recent Bitcoin craze and a lot of people did profit, a lot of people made a lot of money, but personally I just was not comfortable in putting my money into that um, as a Why security. Not? Because it didn't have enough historical data for me to, to feel confident about it. I see. Um, I, I just, yeah, I did not feel like I could rely on that mm -hmm. because I haven't, because it was so new. Um, Has your mind changed now? Is it something that you would feel comfortable doing now or is it? or do you don't really recommend it? Personally, I, I like to look at the history and, and see if it follows the trends of, um, of what, the, Previous. Yeah, what mm -hmm. the rest of the world is doing. Just, per, I mean, it's personal for me. Many, yeah. many people have different preferences when it comes to investing. Uh, but they, think about your risk level and if you're willing to lose the money that you're putting in because there definitely is a risk factor. Um, but over the long run, if you, if you did start investing in 1950 and keep your money in the market over the long run, as you can see, that although there are economic downturns over the long run, um, people who kept their money in the market are winning. So, something to consider. Mm -hmm. Where are we right now? In the economic cycle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm not a professional economist, but if I were to guess, there are a few leading indicators like the yield curve was just recently inverted. I don't know. Did you hear about that? I think that happened like two months ago, uh, which is an indicator that a uh, recession could be coming. Oh, another indicator is job losses or layoffs. I think that we are, we're probably at the maturity, um, at the peak, not the maturity, the peak of the economic cycle right now. Uh, and the downturns are normal. In, in the market, they happen. We, we can anticipate them every 10 or 15 years to go through the whole cycle every 10 or 15 years. So other than the point of recession, um, where we see some of these like big losses, again, you're saying that if you invest in any of, not any, but being smart about it, investing in a company that you feel strongly about, that you like, maybe you use, maybe you follow on Instagram, social media, right? Um, just keep your money in there for a certain amount of time, a few years, and then, but how do you know when to sell? Like, how do you know when, what, what is enough? Um, well, when is enough to, <laughs> I mean, well, that is, that's personal, so that all yeah. comes back to what are you investing for? Mm -hmm. Some people invest for, uh, I mentioned a few examples, retirement, children's education, passive income. Um, I've heard people investing for IVF, uh, investing for vacations, so it depends on when, in that time frame, when do you need your money? Mm -hmm. So um, 
whenever you need your money, I suppose, would be the best time to sell. But um, I would recommend, oh, I hate making recommendations because everyone is so personal, but the longer you keep your money in the market, the more apt you are to win, I think, in my opinion. So long-term investing is key. Yeah, <laughs> over the long <laughs> Yeah, don't expect to make a ton of money overnight because it doesn't. Why not? Why not? How about I want to make, I want to be a millionaire in, in two years. Can I do that? Um, you could. Your chances of, it depends on how much money you want to put in. But like I said, there's a trade-off between risk and return. So if you, if you want to make great returns, you're also taking on a great amount of risk. And I've heard many stories of uh, my peers investing in penny stocks, hoping that this is the company that's going to make it. And it just, sometimes it just doesn't work out. So. I see. Mm-hmm. It all it all comes down to the amount of risk that you're willing to take. So I talked about diversification. A great product to diversify across the market on different stocks is mutual funds. So mutual funds are like a basket of stocks that are pre-picked by professionals. And there are companies that do this for you and they take out all of the guesswork. Um, a great company is Vanguard. That's a very popular investment company um, that has done pretty well historically Um, but they they take all the guesswork out of it they diversify all of the stocks and present it in a a simplified product where you just have to purchase um, X amount of shares of of that mutual fund so you can just type in or not type in you can the, the mutual funds have their own tickers which is the symbol for the stock so when you purchase the stock you're purchasing a share of the company which means you're becoming an owner and you may or may not have owning rights or voting rights uh, where you can make decisions in the operations of the company. So that's how you're able to maximize market returns through owning pieces of the company. I wanna go back to uh, gender, gender equality. Do you work with a lot of women? Um, I am a recruiter for a financial company, um, so in my day-to-day work, I don't work specifically with women in finances, but on the side, I've been studying millionaire behavior as well as consumerism behavior because that's also something that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. But because I am a woman, because I am a woman, mm-hmm. I'm very, in, I'm much more interested in how this affects uh, female behavior, how how female behavior affects their finances. That's what I'm, I've been specifically studying for, for a few years. How female behavior affects finances or how finances affects uh, women behavior, or both, it goes hand in hand. So they do go hand in hand. Okay. So, so from, my, from my studies, I found that personal finance is maybe 10% math and about 90% behavior, which a lot of people think that their finances are out of their control. And while there are systematic injustices, um, from so many angles, uh, we do have we do have quite a bit of control over over our financial lives, and I've learned that our behaviors and our habits dictate our success in finance. And some of those behaviors that uh, that help that benefit mm-hmm. women in money is to stay out of debt. Uh, there are some debts that are more toxic than others, meaning. Credit cards and vehicle debts tend to have like higher interest rates, and um, those are 
more so debt instruments than um, like a house mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, that like a house mortgage, I would think is less toxic debt because you're investing in equity. What about educational? Um, so you're that when you're investing in yourself. So um, it's hard to say whether that is toxic debt or not because so many people. I mean, there's a huge crisis in the United States with student loan debt. So that that's a whole different topic in itself. Um, but all, all debt more or less is not healthy because over the long run you want to create a plan to eliminate your debt so that you can get ahead and start investing your money and um, ultimately become financial independent, whatever that means to you. What about for entrepreneurial uh, women who need to get into debt, who have to borrow money, have to get Good into point. debt? Good point. Yeah. Good point. So, <laughs> um, so there's business debt and then there's personal debt. So there are two different things. So most businesses do take on quite a bit of debt load to create to create their businesses um, and it depends on how your business is structured well it's, whether it's a sole proprietorship or an LLC that gets tricky on whether or not you're personally liable but that I business debt I think can be more beneficial but personal debt I would I well, ten, 10 times out of 10 I would recommend saving up money and paying cash um, when it comes to personal assets, that when you when you save up money and pay with cash, you can stay out of trouble. But business debt, that you're right, that is a completely different topic. So the more debt that you have in business, the better. Not quite. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I mean, it, it really comes down to um, when I was working returns. With, yeah, when I was working with a small business, I compared what they were doing with their debt to what other companies in the industry were doing. Yeah. Um, so I was working in luxury retail, so I compared the debt load that we had at the time to other companies. Um, so that, that's something that you could look at to see if, what you're, if the amount of debt that you're taking on for a business is healthy, comparing it to other people. Because um, so many people are doing the same thing. So when you, look, when you poke your head up and look around you and educate yourself, um, that's really doing yourself a big so talking about the behavior and habit aspect of personal finance, so that's really how you're going to win. Uh, but staying motivated on yeah. staying to, sticking to your budget, that's probably the most difficult part. So I looked at um, inspirations online. There are a bunch of free resources, more specifically YouTube. I love YouTube yeah. uh, because they have so much good information. And there's also they've also created a great community. Um, so I really like to follow the hashtag debt free community on Instagram that they keep me motivated um, and they're very supportive that's not a that's not a hostile community at all they're very um, encouraging and then uh, more specifically Dave Ramsey really helped me um, determine my values although everyone has their own personal tastes so to each their own but sh this woman named Sh uh, Canna Campbell her tag is Sugar Mama or Sugar Mama. She's an Australian uh, personal finance expert. She's created this community online. Um, she has her own website and she's on YouTube. But she's created this project called the $1,000 Project and it's really picked up um, globally. So she focuses on the mindset of personal finance and how it feels. Because I was talking about the habits, so we want to stay on track. We want to achieve our goals and align our habits and our, our our actions to our beliefs and our goals so that we can um, be successful over the long run. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Claire, for joining us. Thank that you was for amazing information. Yeah. Yay, I hope cheers. that some of this information benefited our viewers today. I think it has. I hope so. Let us know. Message I'll be back. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to At Our Coffee Table podcast. Wow, I'm just so grateful and thankful for Claire for joining us and going over some great information together with us and sharing her knowledge of how she has invested in the years and um, the things that she's learned over the time. Personally, um, listening to her, I was like just t writing down notes the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to write everything down. How do I get out of debt? How do I invest? You know, what am I investing for? Asking myself those questions. I'm like, you know, as a 32-year-old, I just had to really, I mean, I've been trying to invest in myself, my personal life. Never thought of investing in other things. Um, you know, obviously retirement, working our way into that. I've done a lot of that. So I've had some experience in there. And I know that my, my husband, he has, you know, done some investing. But just kind of hearing it for somebody who deals with it um, is was so knowledgeable. And I've definitely written out a lot of notes. I hope you guys have too. And just kind of seeing where you're at. Um, maybe you're trying to get out of debt and trying to figure out how to do that so there's so many different ways I really would love to have Claire back with us so we could go more into details if you guys would love her to be back on our show and go over some more information and more details and ask some questions so if you guys have any questions you know send them to us we have an email account at our coffee table at gmail.com or you can go to our Instagram at our coffee table and um, send us any messages there if you guys have some more questions on finance and how to really get into it and how to really make some money and invest. Um, do you want to make extra money or do you just want to save and have some great ideas? So, so happy about this podcast. So grateful for Claire and Anya getting together and doing this. Um, hope you guys all enjoy. Let us know what you think. Send us any messages, comments. We would love to hear back from you and get some feedback. Thank you so much. Bye.